0: Okay, you're back with another episode on Adventure Fit Radio. This one is part one of two. We're joined with Cameron McKenzie, who is a world record junior powerlifter and a high-level strength coach, uh, joins us by the name of John Chan. So we talk to these guys about training, nutrition, the mental approach to a barbell, how to set PBs. Uh, Cameron is under 21 and uh, is looking to set uh, a world record uh, in the World Games coming up. This uh, this episode's brought to you by Audible Trial. You get a free 30 days uh, trial with with audio and you get a free audio book. You can find them at www.audibletrial.com That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com forward slash ADF radio. Um, We're also going to promote Loxam Solutions and NDO Sups. Our sponsorship with these guys has ended, but they were our original backers of the program and we really appreciate everything they've done for us. So we're going to give them another free plug. Loxam Solutions is a boutique consulting and business support company focused on business consulting and commercial services. The key to their success has been through the application and pragmatic approach combined with entrepreneurial spirit to achieve our clients and outcomes. Their their philosophy is simple deliver a well-defined measurable business outcomes to their clients through an engaged engagement of subject the other one is NDO Supps, um, I have been a user and still am a user of their products. I can highly recommend the Recover by Peptides. Um, it's uh, a fantastic source of protein and branched-chain amino acids. So if you're struggling to recover properly, uh, if your, uh, your skin and hair and nails is lacking, then uh, jump on that as it's a fantastic supplement. Anyway, guys, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Speak to you soon.
1: Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo.
2: Discovery, roger. Go for deploy. Where did we come from?
3: Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die.
1: Alrighty, so uh, sitting here with Cam McKenzie and John Tran, our powerlifting guests for the day. Uh, Max on my left and Tommy on my left with his guitar as usual. We'll introduce the boys shortly, but first, as always, Tommy's Tribute. Alrighty lads, welcome aboard. Um, this is a, uh, one of our first segments we do where I just write up
3: a, uh, a relatively stupid song. I haven't really stitched you up today, so um, I felt uh, felt like I was on a, on a positive vibe intimidated. today. So, yeah, I felt very intimidated. <laughs> so uh, please, please please enjoy. <laughs> All right, it's a Sandman uh, cover. Gonna see how the pod flows. There two big guys I'm telling lies. They are big, strong dudes. I bet they eat heaps of food. <laughs> Tell me how to lift weights and the shit that's involved. <laughs> I'm dead, <screwed> that out.
0: <laughs> 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 that
1: was good. Oh, that was solid. Good job. <laughs> good job, Tommy. You are quite intimidating.
0: You're a big big boy. Uh, except for the calves. Except for the calves. <laughs> <laughs> no calf raises in the uh, training program.
4: Oh, that's a waste of body weight. Yes, there is no calves. <laughs> <laughs> none. None.
1: That is disproportionate, isn't it?
4: It's bad when you wear just shorts at the gym and they go,
1: "Oh, you don't even train legs." Yeah, just wait for I squat. Just wait for I squat. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, cool. So, um, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Cam, do you want to start? Tell us about your training and uh, and some of the uh, some of the feats that you've been up to the last couple of years.
4: Um, well, I'm currently ranked number one powerlifter in Australia. Mm-hmm. Finished off last year, ranked number one as well. So, uh, in terms of what I'm working toward at the moment, I've got the World Championships of powerlifting in June in Colleen, Texas. Really? Which, yeah, pretty cool. cool. So the big goal there is to take out pound for pound number one junior in the world. So anyone under 23 years of age. How old are you cool. now? Uh, just turned 23 on Tuesday.
1: Great. your so like, last Thank year you. of juniors.
4: Yeah, it's my last year.
0: Yeah, cool. How do you think you'll rank when you go to seniors next year? Is there a big jump?
4: Um, there is a quite a big step up. I was lucky enough to compete in the Opens at Worlds last year. Due to some funding, um, my federation helped help fund toward the comp if I went in the Opens, and I managed to play sixth in the Open Men's in the World when I was 22. Cool. Yeah, yeah so great. yeah, I should hopefully be top five next year at Worlds if I'm in the Opens.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: And uh, and John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, well, my accolades is, isn't as astounding as Cameron's. <laughs> uh, basically... I own a company called City Strength. Uh, I coach powerlifters. Uh, I run powerlifting comps with my partner, Greta. Yep. Uh, and I referee as well. So everything I do in my day-to-day life is powerlifting. Yeah, it <laughs> it's yeah. slightly one-dimensional, but, you know, if you can make your hobby part of your work and your, your normal oh, life, it's... It's not work. Yeah, it's it's not work at all. That's right. So um, just been following powerlifting for the last five, six years-ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just seeing it grow, especially in the last three years. Um, and that's why I started up the business to, to cater for that as well. Beautiful. So, for me, I get
1: confused a little bit with powerlifting. I'm a weightlifter. Um, I know I'm a favorite about CrossFit. I'm not huge. Sorry to hear that. The boys, the boys <laughs> <Every> <laughs> session. give me shit everywhere. Apparently, every podcast I say, I'm a weightlifter. Every time. <laughs> um, but I... So, there's lots of different divisions in powerlifting, right? Mm. So, there's raw. Um, there's... And then... If you're assisted, like with your belts and your your straps and your suits and stuff, right? Is that Yeah, right? that's
4: equipped. So there's classical raw powerlifting. Yep. So at a competition you can wear knee sleeves and a belt. Yep. The knee sleeves don't offer much assistance, it's more a uh, like a placebo or in the yeah, mind. Sure. Whereas you're equip powerlifting, you can wear knee wraps, a belt, but also a powerlifting suit. Yes. So it's like a almost like a seat belt material but more flexible. So it's like a big elastic band around your body that you can use to Spring out of things. Yeah, spring out of as such, yep. yeah.
1: And um and so there's is there also divisions as in um clean and drug assisted?
4: Yeah, so in powerlifting you've got the IPF, which is the International Powerlifting Federation. Yep. So they're recognised by the IOC, so the International Olympic Committee. Um, in Australia as well, we're government recognised, so we're recognised by. Sports Commission. Yeah. Yeah, whereas every other federation fall under a different banner, which is untested. So they're not affiliated with ASADA. On our national level, or yep. WADA on an okay.
1: international level, right? Um, yeah, cool. That's something I wanted to just clear up because um, it's it's strange. So uh, most of the uh, most of the good athletes and the and uh, the competitive nature, it's obviously in the in the clean area of the sport. Who's competing in? Is that fair to say? Who's competing in the in the non-tested oh, guys that it, get popped? Is that at work? Yeah,
4: people that without without getting into Sending to unpolitical, the people that don't have the time or the patience to see where they can take themselves naturally or drug free, Mm -hmm. so sometimes you get people that have attempted to complete compete drug free that get tested and they get tested positive, so they have no other
0: choice but get suspended and move to the untested federation. Mm -hmm. Do you find there's a high amount of people, uh, high percent of people that do that try and get away with uh, being on drugs in the clean uh, league? Yeah, every year you get a
4: few here and there in Australia. On an international level, they've got quite a long list of people all around the world that attempt to compete on drugs and they get caught out. So the drug testing does work. You can't always catch all of them, but yeah, there's quite a high number of people
0: that do try and do it, which is quite sad. And what's your reason why they would do that rather than just go straight into the uh, the the you know uh, the drug allowed one and and just up their doses and be a machine?
4: Honestly, I don't know. I think they just want to take out first place, no matter yeah, what. For right? sure. I think it's yeah, it's, whether it's egotistical or not, people want to cheat. Yeah, people want to cheat. They want to win. They don't want to do it the hard way, the honest way, which is sad. But do
0: you think they're trying to hide the fact that they're on drugs as well? Oh, absolutely. So they can get yeah. everyone. They're clean.
4: I know of know of people that have taken small doses to have that slight edge. Yep. Yeah. They get caught out. They shift to the other side of the realm, and then they go, they go all out.
1: Yeah. There's no there's no real... It's obviously not a clean sport and then a, a drug-assisted sport. It's just, yeah, an option for the people that have been busted. That's right. There's always going to be people out there that want that. We had this discussion last night where we were talking about um, weightlifting because weightlifting mm. changed the uh, weight categories a couple of decades yep. ago because it was so... The, the sport was so dirty and then now... So they've got all the new... All the old world records still stand. We've got all these new world records and, I mean, I haven't popped anyone on for drugs myself, but you know, a lot of them are, it's still, it's still rampant. So. What What are the numbers like?
0: Uh, Same uh, weight category from say the, the number one uh, non-drug and then the number one drug assisted.
2: Oh, they vary actually. Yeah. Some, there's
4: some drug free lifters, like a Russian lifter, Sergei Fedzienko, he's, tiny person but he's just one of those freaks of nature's one in every hundred million i would you would yep. say that's just better than everyone yep. regardless of drugs or not yeah we should get people like the heavyweight guys that and it also comes down to the way i see it is it doesn't separate skill or talent at that level without drugs mm. or with drugs sorry it's more so who's got more balls to take more drugs mm. they can put more in their system
2: they're going to get stronger yeah right. Mm. So it's a combination of all those things really. Yeah, if you look at the stats, uh just off the top of my head, like generally uh it's a bit of a mixed bag at the top level. Like it's just because the drug assisted lifters doesn't mean they're necessarily at the top of their game. Like it's quite yeah. there's quite mm. a few um clean lifters who uh who top that list. Who are way more skilled way. and way more talented. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> when you when you're up there um I, I think it's if if you're not if you're not at the elite level without drugs, you're never gonna be elite anyway. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Have you have you ever been approached by anyone oh, coming yeah. through the ranks? Lots of people you you would have been training around and uh and you would have been you would see it a lot, right?
4: Um would... For me I, I train in a pretty segregated part of the country in Newcastle yeah. where Powerlifting's got a really big sport. There's no powerlifting-style gyms with powerlifting clubs. Gotcha. So I train by myself in the middle of the day between my split shift for work. Oh, right. So I, I, I don't see it. I have been offered in the past. People say, oh, you should jump on board and take drugs and mm-hmm. come to this federation and so on and so forth. But it, I've got no
0: interest for it. Yeah. For me, nothing replaces hard work. Is there more money involved? Like, what what's the temptation at, you know, your age and with your skill of really why would you jump federations? I don't know. There's, there there, like, is, like there they're, is, not, they're not waving you know, $100,000 in front of your face or
4: anything like that? I or, guess it's just being able to say I'm stronger than this person or that yep. person. There is no real benefit, which is why I've stayed where I am and yep. I'm doing what I'm doing. That's good.
1: That's great. So, um, so what does a day, I'll ask you, John, what does a day of programming look like for your average, your, um, for your athletes that you will coach? What does a day of programming look like in a powerlifting gym?
2: Oh, Uh, so it depends on the level of lifter. So if they're a real beginner, um, usually they have, always have main lifts, which are either, depending where they are in their training program, how far away they're from competition, might be a variation of a competition lift. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they'll do, especially for beginners, they have to learn the skills to be able to do the competition lifts. So they'll do competition lifts and variations of, just to learn the skill set and also build some hypertrophy, build some muscle um, and then goes on from there. So the more intermediate, more advanced ones will do more competition lifts and less variations.
0: Variations such as box squats and floor press rather than, you know, your, your full squat and bench press. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Although I don't have much use for box squats, not for raw I was powerlifting. Just, I was just trying
0: to think of variations.
2: Yeah, so like things like uh, front squats will be probably the first variation I give them, mm-hmm. like a high bar squat uh, will yep. be another one, um, and then variations of tempos and pauses, depending on what the person needs to work on.
1: So so it's not really so much accessory exercises, you, you use the full exercise, oh, we're talking about the squat right now, but just in yep. different forms. Yeah, so, so... So how do you manage, um, with training um, in
2: powerlifting, how do you manage the central nervous system stress, obviously with squatting and pulling so much? Well surprisingly like a lot of people can handle quite a bit i mean if you manage um you know their sleep firstly and their dietary intake they can consume enough calories then the only thing as a coach you need to understand how much your athlete or lifter can handle in terms of training volume yeah once you sort of establish that then you've got a sort of set point that you can you can manage and and track along you as, as they progress along
4: you'd be amazed what the human body can handle. Yeah. It's like sure. it's like any sport. Your body just adapts. It's it's incredible because the load I put my body through. Even at the moment, I'm getting up every morning going. I don't know how I'm handling. Yeah. This this stress through training. But if you do every every other little thing right, then it's just it
0: just adapts. Yeah. Have sure. you guys used any apps to assist you in it all? In all? Um, there's a couple of apps out there that measure your heart rate variability. Do you guys are you guys aware of that? Yeah, I've
4: I've seen that and I've. I've looked into it
0: yep. but being
4: the, the arrogant athlete I am <laughs> where I go I can, well, who, I can needs <laughs> who needs rest who needs <laughs> rest Now I'm a big I'm a big believer in the simple things where the lifters back in the day 70s 80s despite the drugs they worked hard and recovered ate well and if you do little things like sleep diet it all should come together like a puzzle piece it's just those little things here and there that you need to tweak and adjust yep. so stuff like that is always an extremely useful tool mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, the HRV does give you like a quantifiable measurement, but ultimately I feel my job as a coach is to get to know your lifter. And if they move a certain way when they're training in the gym or they look a certain way, then it's your job to question it or get to know your lifter, understand that, you know, the way they're squatting today or the way they're moving today is not not like how they normally are. Find out what that problem is. Might have been a really bad day at work, not enough sleep, Mm -hmm. God knows what. Because you've only got them for those Mm -hmm. couple of hours during the day. So getting to know you after to understanding that you know, they're a lot more fatigued than otherwise and then adjusting the training session as a result. Uh, so how
0: often would you go by feel versus percentage? In Percentages in? So up and down through, through your week. So yep. if, if you have Cam here and he's uh, tired, lethargic, whatever he is, showing symptoms of stress, uh, would you go then by feel? Or if you are, bang, you need to be at 85% no matter what, you go on 85%?
2: Well, there's multiple considerations, depending on what shape he's in, how far away from competition. So understanding that, you know... So, for example, we would have, so, say, we'll say 85% projected for this training session, but he's an absolute wreck and he turns, it turns up at this training session. We can't, at this particular stage, we can't risk injury or whatever. Then I might drop the intensity or the volume depending on what needs to be done for the end goal. Yeah. Like the, the The end goal dictates how you go about it it's yeah. having the set plan
4: but being intuitive adjusting where it need be to avoid injury but also get the necessary stress to initiate an adaptation that's the critical thing is avoiding injury but adapting and improving at the same time so it's having the plan of being intuitive yeah
1: so do you have any um, do you have any things outside of the kind of outside of the box that you do for recovery prehab rehab and stuff like obviously flotation tanks are becoming all the rage I think they're actually quite good I've used them a lot um saunas uh, what do you do outside of you know massage and general maintenance yourself do you have any specific tools or people you go see for your rehab
4: um i've got a powerlifting specific physio jack from terrace physio plus so he's up in newcastle yep he um he treats me on a weekly basis due to a great sponsorship and we partner up and do a lot of different projects together cool. but he's i'm really big on dry needling and right. a lot of manual therapy but i think that's especially with the CNS response through the muscle tissue. I think it's a really valuable tool. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I do steam room as well just to pull the, like, pull the moisture out and get some blood flow through the body as well. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a lot of foam rolling, trigger pointing, and, yep. and it's just basic rest and nutrition.
1: So how much time do you think in the week you would spend um, on your recovery? Because this, I think, is where a lot of people that are trying to take their sport seriously, whether it's CrossFit, weightlifting, did I mention I'm a weightlifter? (laughs) (laughs) Powerlifting. Yeah, I am sorry to hear that. (laughs) Any, (laughs) any, (laughs) any, uh, any sport, any sport out there. I think there's a lot of people that can't really bridge the gap between being an amateur, um, amateur in their sport and taking that next step because they don't really look after their recovery. I've been guilty of it 100%, not not looking, not looking after myself well enough and I had a back injury for a long time. So, it took me out of the sport for like 18 months of competing or 20 months. So, Just to put into perspective for people, how many hours a week do you have to put in to keep your body able to uh, hold up with the rigors of powerlifting?
4: So for me, I train seven days a week. Yep. Pre-session, I spend probably 20 to 30 minutes. Yep. uh, Pre-having, so foam rolling, trigger pointing, Mm -hmm. stretching, so on and so forth. Post-training, it might be 10 minutes of just a light stretch. So it's like just basic cool down. Yep. So that's already three and a half hours a week yeah. of that pre-training or post-training, if not more. Mm-hmm. And then there's one to two hours of physiotherapy treatment per week. Yep. And then the countless hours of doing little bits here and there. So probably, yeah, f- minimum six to 10 hours. Yep. Minim- that's minimum some weeks yeah, or more. for sure.
1: So, yeah. Let alone the actual hours you're putting in. In the gym, yeah, I think that's um, that's a big one. So I just wanted to pick your brain and see if you guys had any, mm. any. Do you have any any um, anything that you well, like to use? John? The things
2: things I emphasize with my lift is number one, apart from all the what Cameron does, like the trigger point release and everything else, yeah, is sleep. Yeah, for recovery, you can't you can't out diet sleep. You can't you mm. can you can stim yourself with caffeine and everything else, but you, it's still a still piss poor performance if you if you don't have enough sleep. For sure. So you can you can go without a meal. And still have a semi-decent training session. Yeah. If you don't sleep well, it's it's gone down to gurgler. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like you said, were wondering about how to make that transition to take their sport more seriously. They can manage sleep. That's probably the most important one. Yeah. Then is diet. Yeah. People, yeah, you get. I'm sure you guys have had all been asked the question about, like, what supplements to take, and people are looking for the the quick fix or the one magic mm-hmm. pill. Mm-hmm. But they forget about diet. Like diet has one of the biggest influences on up and coming training session and sure. you know recovery from that training session to get the, the adaptations that you want mm-hmm. and it's probably if you eat real food whole food it's probably cheaper yeah. than buying supplements so sleep and diet also, I send all my competitive athletes to a sports dietitian uh, I'll give them a rough guideline and if they want to take that a step further then send them off to a sports dietitian That's one that. thing
4: I always say to my clients is why would you spend some people spend up to three hundred dollars on a, a stack. Yeah, at their supplement store. I go, well, you can spend all that money on fucking real yeah. good quality food. Yeah, after that can't quality, buy more of it. You're yeah. buying a multivitamin when you could be buying great, like incredible fruit and veggies, which are doing the same job, but you're getting the fiber, nutrients, hydration, yeah. everything else from them as well. I mean, you're skipping the necessary basics. They're there to supplement what you can't already get.
2: Yeah. I think most people forget like trying to make another transition to take their sport more seriously. They almost have to have a more professional approach. Think of it as a as you know, more everyone everyone has the same hours in a day. And the more advanced you get as an athlete, you need to dedicate more time in hours a day. Something else has got to give. Mm. So unfortunately, uh time with family, uh, prioritizing training over staying overtime at work and things like that. That's just fact. You just yeah. have to do more. Mm. To get better, or dedicate more of it to to, to get better at your sport. Yeah, and that's or you're like just not going to get better. That's it's, it. It's that's it. Not. Exactly.
1: So, what about um? This is a, a a thing to touch on with nutrition. So, there's a lot of talk of good nutrition here. Uh, we had uh, one of our one of our listeners, Aaron, who wanted to start this conversation. I suppose with a question. Uh, she she wanted me to ask uh, or us to ask. Why does the sport have a negative connection to unhealthy foods? And I use the example oh. of. Donuts and deadlifts. Oh man! In, in <laughs> yeah. the USA, get ready for a rant. Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Bring it on. What do you What <laughs> okay. do you think? I mean, because it's okay. it's, give me some donuts, really. It's 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 popular, you know. It's a popular thing to to go and work out and then post Instagram photos eating burgers. donuts at the donut shop, burgers. Yeah. You know, all this all this stuff. So tell us your thoughts.
4: To Cover my ass before I rant. I'm going to say balance is key. You always need balance in everything you do. But I'm so fucking sick of the unhealthy diet affiliated with powerlifting. Yeah. All these big powerlifters, these big fat guys, they go, I was at a training course one day, and I said I did powerlifting. They went, But you're not fat. I went, No, no I'm not <laughs> Is I, <that> right. <laughs> <laughs> can I stay? I'm strong as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'll squat the fuck out of you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people people think powerlifters to be this fat, unhealthy sport where they just try and lift the heaviest weight they can. Yeah. But for a lot of us it's about athleticism. Um, it's, it's more than just lifting heavy weight. It's being treating ourselves like an athlete. So it's yep. eating the right foods at the right time. So macronutrient, uh, macronutrient timing, composition. So the types of food you're eating, when you're eating them, what they're composed of. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying, oh, fuck, I do palatine. I'm just going to go eat burgers and donuts and mm. post that they're doing it. And a lot of those athletes that do it probably do eat great food. But to all the beginners out there that yeah, are watching right. them, that are looking at them as role models, go, oh, fuck, well, if they're doing it, I can, right. go eat, yeah. I can go eat six donuts after I train. But the stress they can put their body through is not the same as their role models.
1: And they don't see the, the good stuff. No, they because don't it's get to see no, That's not nice exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's exciting not to see funny. on Instagram. Not, that's right.
4: So I often, I often um, post some of the food I put on, like I consume on Instagram or Facebook, and people go, oh, that's boring. And I've had people say... <laughs> That looks boring. <laughs> unfollow. And, well, sorry to bore you. Steak, vegetables, unfollow. <laughs> you like pretty the, boring, man. Some people take the piss and go, where are the donuts? <laughs> yeah. Whereas other lifters in Australia, some notable lifters as well, put burgers up on a, almost a daily basis. Yep. And it creates this false interpretation of what a power lifter is. And, and for me, it pisses me off. Because mm. for me, I look at myself as an elite athlete. Yep. And elite athletes should nourish their bodies. And in saying that, there should always be balance we're not robots, but yeah, yeah, it just pisses me off and it's it just yeah,
2: infuriates me. Yeah, like you said, like the things that stand out most on Instagram are usually the post comp meal mm. where they've gone, yep, I've I've done, you know, sixteen weeks of, of prepping for this comp or six months of prepping for this comp. I will at it. That's it, mm. it's done. And that's the you know, the photo of the ginormous triple Wagyu patty burger yeah. with thick shake and everything else.
4: But they don't show the, the photos of the food they're consuming when they're cutting weight to cut down drop yep. whatever weight necessary to make that to make that competition Though whether it be chicken and broccoli or the lean meals of rice and salad or chicken or steak lean meats and stuff it's what looks appealing and will get the Instagram likes or the mm-hmm. Facebook likes and the social media attention
1: yeah so with yourself your weight category is uh,
4: 120 kilo males
1: 120 and you're so you have to do you have to cut weight or you're, what, what do you walk around at
4: so for a long time for the three years I was in juniors prior to now, I was weighing about 116 kilos thereabouts. Um, I took a heavy approach in just consuming a caloric excess about September last year. Mm -hmm. So consuming a lot more protein and healthy fats. And I just packed on a lot of, like a bit of fat, but also quite a lot of muscle mass to the point where I got up to 127 kilos. And I recently just did a big water cut down with a little bit of dieting so I competed at 120 about five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I'm about 125 on a daily basis.
1: Okay, cool. And that's a pretty comfortable cut. That's pretty easy to get down from 125 rather than 127. Yeah. It's
4: not too bad. Yeah, I was drinking 12 liters of water for three yeah. to four days. So I felt like 12 <laughs> so it liters fun. of water. It wasn't fun. Yeah, it was prescribed oh, by uh, John Paul Couch, a real good uh, lifter in Melbourne. He does a lot of weight cuts for a lot of people and I trust his judgment. He's mm-hmm. got a bachelor's degree in... Science and so on. So. so you
1: feed you feed your body full of water and then you starve it for the last day or two, right? Is that how it works?
4: Yeah. So you, you trick your body, um, <clears throat> like trick your body's hormones for holding water. So you consume all this water, then load up on salt, and your body just dumps everything when you stop consuming it.
0: Yeah. Right.
4: Yeah. So I lost six kilos in about five days.
0: Wow yeah so I felt like I was drowning on the inside <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned before you went you've you I'd seen a sports dietitian what's roughly your macros for the day um, so John recommends people see a
4: dietitian I don't actually count macros mm-hmm. I'm I believe in being really intuitive in all aspects of training and performance so I don't count I kind of I kind of keep in mind my protein intake <laughs> but I kind of eat when I can as well because with my busy lifestyle being a PT up in Newcastle, it's sometimes if I've got clients back to back for five hours, I've got to eat where I can and catch up mm-hmm. macros and so on. So I I eat intuitively and eat to recover yep. largely. So what's your pre and post workout meal consist of? Um, Pre-training probably an hour before it's a steak with some sweet potato or some rice and some veggies. Just real, real basic food or it might be um, just some eggs on toast. But post-training post, uh, session, I'll consume a liter of milk, liter of light milk. Light milk? Well, yeah. Why light yeah. Milk? It's a I diet. Can, for me, because I have to drink a lot of calories to keep my body weight up, mm-hmm. I get a lot of them through milk. So yep. I drink three to four liters of light milk a day. But why yep. why light? Why not uh, whole? Full fat. Because full fat just gets to my stomach. Okay. And I can't handle as much of it. If I can yep. drink light milk so drink the protein... Gotcha. it's not so much about the like the fats through the whole milk i know whole milk's great but for me if i just need to get the protein and the carbs in it's quite cheap and quite easy to get it through light milk.
1: well that's cool so it's easier on easier on your stomach oh heaps easier it's a lot of like people it's struggle like water
4: whereas full cream is even in my i can feel how creamy it is in my mouth it's quite yeah. hard for me to handle three to four liters a day
1: yeah because I've, I've done the same thing from time to time i've um up to my milk intake to three or four kilos and people freak out they're like oh, three man, or four kilos it? of milk uh, tr- liters liters yeah. right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hey, liters yeah so i just said it a really weird way <laughs> but um a lot of people struggle that's actually a pretty good tip i think for people because a lot of people it's such a great um easy source of oh yeah your macros and cheap and cheap that's right and but a lot of people have that, you know, that problem with lactose and they, they can't. I say to someone, oh, yeah, I've been drinking three or four liters of milk because I don't have a problem with it at all. So I don't no, know. me either. Yeah, but but I, and I, I'm i able to drink full full cream. I think people, it's just a good thing to know that, Absolutely. you know, to use just the protein and the, the carb aspect of the mm-hmm. milk and it's probably going to be a lot more digestible for, for people. So
4: And for me to keep enough calories elsewhere in my diet to consume like the rice or protein or carbs elsewhere instead of getting, or even like avocado, nuts, healthy fats.
1: Yeah. Well, fats are easy to get. Yeah, they're easy like to get, but I don't. I've got always. I always say I got a bag of macadamia nuts with me yeah, out all the well, time. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, boom, handful in, and then you're you're on. Because you're not. You go to the cafe. You're not always going to be able to get avocado and everything, or mm. you're right. No. you right. Fats, but it's so easy to just have them lying around in your car. Or, yeah.
4: But even milk. Duck down the road to the servo and get a bottle of milk.
1: It's <laughs> it's cheap. It's easy. And yeah,
4: yeah. For me, it's a big part of my diet.
1: For sure. So what about all this talk of the good stuff? You. You do have cheat meals, though. I imagine. Yeah, every now and then. And what what do you what do you use as a cheat meal, and how how do you how do you how do you program it into your diet, so to speak?
4: I so I came from a bodybuilding background. I did yep. only one comp as a natural athlete when I was 18. Yep. So when I did that, I was really strict. I would give myself the one cheat meal a week where I'd sit down and go nuts. Yep. So now it's very much like that. I'll just eat good food like not super strict where it's bland boring meals but i'll be pretty strict all week eating what i need to eat yep And it's usually a friday or a saturday night i'll go out with my partner and have a big burger a pizza or a pass or whatever and yeah cool and then go nuts at the movies and get like chocolates and, Ice soft and, 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 and stuff yeah just bang it in give myself live. like a two to three hour window and after that window's done it's back to
1: business yep yep that's good um, and by so, the and by the end of it, I'm
4: I don't want to eat anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: So I mean, it's so so important the um, nutrition and and the ability to recover uh, recover just by getting the right amount of calories in. Um, just going back to recovery and kind of injuries. Have you guys um, have you guys dealt with any any major injuries in yeah. your in your lifting careers?
2: Yeah, a uh, couple. Of, I had two bulging discs and an annular tear, so didn't know it was what was going on, just prepping for a comp, knee was flaring up, hip was flaring up. Didn't get any back pain, funnily enough, so yeah. did the comp and then for whatever reason body just went, Yeah, you know what? I've held it <laughs> held on for long enough and so it's all let go. Goodbye. Yeah. And uh <laughs> nothing back That's the thing, I'd never got any back spasm. It was it felt the sensation was down one side, like into the glute and the hammy, and it sort of feel like a tight hammy or tight glute so you you know you get the ball roll it Mm -hmm. out didn't make any difference (sighs) much to my detriment left it for four or five months training was up and down mostly down and then uh, a friend of mine suggested go get an mri it sounds like a nerve thing so yeah yeah whatever went to gp asked for an mri practically almost had to threaten him with violence (laughs) even though i said i'll pay for it i don't care about bulk billing whatever Went and got MRI, found out two bulging discs and your tear. Oh my God, it's in the world. I can't lift ever again. Yep. Uh, went to a sports physio um, and basically, because I couldn't do anything else, all I could do was the rehab stuff because it made it feel better. Uh, just knuckled down and just rehabbed it for, I think it was eight to 12 weeks, about three months and I was back to deadlifting. So I think I got off lucky because I only had real pain for probably about a month where people have had months on end of not being able to tie the shoelace. Did you think... I've had the exact same injury, by the way. That's what kept me out for a little while. But did
1: you, when, did you get um, prognosis from doctors that said, right,
2: you're done? Yeah. You're done with the sport? How did you feel when you heard that? Uh, I, sort of ex- I sort of went in there expecting that yep. and it delivered yep. right on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, had I not had the previous experience of training other people getting the same prognosis from doctors or whatever i probably would have packed it up yeah. and just said you know i'm just gonna watch jerry springer it's yeah. an easy option it. isn't it yeah mm-hmm. if, if your average average person got told by a gp uh that exactly they would probably take it on board and go yeah that's it i'll hang on my lifting shoes and they'll, they'll be the end of it but mm. well, we see it all the time got, at
0: my gym yeah. oh a doctor said i can't do anything yeah. for the next six months just because they've done something to their knee well <laughs> you thought about your upper body like, yeah. they just wipe it out completely. Yeah, there are
1: alternatives, yeah. I got told twice, um, two different... With my MRI, I got asked if I'd been in a major trauma, car accident or something, because so I had two bulging discs and a torn disc in my lumbar. And and then their first doctor was like, yeah, you'll never be able to lift again. Um, you shouldn't be squatting below parallel anyway. As soon as she said that, I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. See, <laughs> no, it time. And then, um, So do you even lift? Yeah. yeah. And then... <laughs> and then, and then um, Got a second opinion and that was the same <clears throat> and then I went and saw a sports psychologist a uh, sports um, sports doctor who was the head doctor for um, Carlton Football Club in the AFL oh, and, and he was like he goes mate 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 you're good to go we'll just we we'll just strengthen you up we'll give you the, the right amount of time off so the scar tissue will heal we'll do the right things you'll be you'll be fine um yeah. So, what did you actually? What rehab procedures did you go through though? for, so, for a back injury like that,
2: went through. Uh, well, did a lot of release work, dry needling initially because it was all spasmed up and tightened at that stage. Yep. And funnily enough, he had the same response that your sports doctor he had. A bit of a chuckle. Yeah. And just said, nah, "Should be right. Yeah, we just, right. just got to work on it. That's right. Give it time. <laughs> yeah. Get the coals
1: out. Get the coals. <laughs> yeah. Bring those plates out. Well, let's have a go. <laughs> <this>. Pretty much." <laughs>
2: Um, Get the concrete, hardly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you need your concrete.
2: <laughs> um, basically, regressed all my exercise. He actually analysed uh, my deadlift, which was causing me the most grief and yeah. going nowhere. And then broke down, broke it down, regressed it all the way right back to a kneeling position. Yep. Um, followed a lot of McKenzie uh, practices and like McKenzie press ups, and he'll be doing these things called uh, baby rolls. Okay. So. For example, one of the exercises was lying. Then, mind you, this is after all the inflammation and all the, all the pain had died down. Lying face down on the ground, arms outstretched like an overhead position, legs out at yep. the bottom. Uh, and I had to roll onto my back. Uh, first exercise was doing it with the legs. So no upper, back, uh, upper body assistance at all. So I had to throw my leg back and roll over and bring it back. Mm-hmm. And then the heartbeat was doing the same with just upper body, just using arms to roll. And roll back right. on both sides um, and that, funnily enough that was the hardest thing to do if anyone anyone gives it a go if yeah. you've got any like structural imbalances that will bring it up especially yeah. if you've got like left or right uh, like left shoulder right hip and vice versa mm-hmm. that, that'll bring it up but that was doing those and eventually that turned into like the warm up for when I was allowed to deadlift again yep. that made heaps of difference
1: yeah cool what about you, Cam? You
2: had any major injuries? Um, I only had I only had one
4: semi-major injury. Just had a pinched nerve in my somewhere in my lumbar spine. It was in my first year of powerlifting too, because I was progressing so quickly, lifting heavy yeah. weights. Yeah. Body just, I just lifted one heavy weight. It was the last, actually the last heavy rep of my whole training cycle before mm. an international competition. Right. That just sucks. Pinched and everything went white for a bit and couldn't really lean over and I was on my back for about three days with my knees at 90 degrees. Mm. Went to the physio. She went, oh, nah, glutes are just jacked up and protecting your spine because your spine's going, uh-oh, no, 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 can't do anything. We don't want to get more injured. Yeah. So I just did heaps of glute work, a bit of like a bit of rotation work through the spine, and I was fine in about five to six days. Went to the competition a few days later. Oh, well, that's good. But otherwise... <laughs> pretty, I'll, pretty lucky then, eh? Hey? Yeah, well, I, I, it was two weeks out that I did the injury... And in the days, while I was laying on my back, just trying to not move, I got a call from Robert Wilkes, the head of Powerlifting Australia, saying, do you want to compete in the invitational competition? Right. Can you pull a world record of 320 kilos? Yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and here, I, here I am going. Oh. 320 kilos. Yeah, so I was um, I was 19 at the time. I weighed 106 or 7 kilos. Something wow. like that. Yeah. Wow. So I was just a junior, yeah, and I um, got the call. I thought, oh, I can't miss this opportunity. So I said, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I got the phone Oh, fuck, what am I doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Give me the concrete. <laughs> yeah, wait, where, is, where is it? <laughs> yeah, so I took the rehab really seriously. The physio said, you'll be fine and we'll work on it. I was there for three or four days in a row getting her, getting her help and, yeah, pulled the world record, so, but otherwise... I've had no major injuries, always little niggles and aches yeah. and pains like every athlete would, but through proper treatment, through my physio and all the recovery i do, I'm always getting over it and working through it and working around it.
1: Beautiful. So we'll throw to Tommy in a sec, but before we do, so um, do you still hold that world record?
4: No, the world record got bumped up and up. So um. it's currently held by a guy who's no longer a junior, but yep. a finish lifter, pulled 362.5. Really? Yeah. So um, was it?
1: 320 was the, was the record? <laughs> the original was record,
4: that was the standard. So before it gets set, they have a set standard that yep. you have to lift to establish the record. So I hit the standard in my first comp. Yep. Well, in the, the first international meet. Yep. So I've recently pulled um, over 800 pounds, so 365 in training. So yep. I'm looking to take the deadlift and the total on record. So... Here when? I put here I am putting it, putting is this, it out. Is
1: there this at this is in Texas? In Texas, oh yeah. So I'm looking to total nine
4: nine hundred kilos at one twenty, which will be the highest Wilkes total of any junior in raw history. Right. Wow. Fingers fingers crossed. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Good luck. That'll be great. Break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> <Or not. laughs> um,
3: hey, yeah. Uh, for everyone at home, we've uh, we've only got. Um, uh, we're, we we're one short, mic, so um, Macca and I are currently changing um, through and through. So I, I haven't been asleep, guys. Um, well, not for, not for the whole time, anyway. No, I've been around. Um, hey, lads, this is um, one of the segments we do on the show, The Good, The Bad, and The Science. We like to bring up um, something current um, on a positive note, um, something the same in the negative, and then something real science um just to throw a massive bell curve in there, or a ball curve. I don't know the word I'm looking for is. <laughs> Some sort of ball. <laughs> Um so let's talk uh NBA you guys fans of basketball at all follow the NBA at all
4: Yeah well it's been all over social media yesterday so Yeah
3: yeah yeah <laughs> well um,
2: very very loosely
3: Okay very loosely yeah <laughs> I'm probably um, more on your level but um Bill was uh, kicking me to get this one out there today so we'll talk uh Golden State Warriors um, with oh, old mate yeah. Kobe Bryant will you who do you go for Bill
1: Uh oh I just follow I'm a, People, You're a weightlifter, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> People call me a bandwagoner because I just follow whoever LeBron James p- plays for, but that's legit. I watched um, Michael Jordan retired the year before LeBron James started, and right. I watched um, LeBron's first game, and he had um, his first pass was a half court, his first touch was a half court alley oop to his teammate. Um, he scored 25, 12, and eight boards or something, and then I was mm. like, right, this dude's he's the next best ever. He's mate. legit, yeah. So I've just I've just fired LeBron. Basically, I just want to see him on pinnacle with Jordan at the end
3: because I get the feeling that people are very much other LeBron or Kobe fans are they, they're, they're, they're people that are sort of like why is that what's the, what's the deal there
1: um, well Kobe was just definitely because he was the closest thing to Jordan yeah you know he's he's 90% of Jordan uh, which and probably 80% of Jordan he's a, he's a carbon copy just not as good um, oh. <laughs> well, no one, no one oh, What a cop out. Wow. Well, no well, no one is, you know? No one's yeah. as, big, as good oh, I'll as I'll just as get as Cope as as on the phone. He's <laughs> <It's> better than <laughs> me. He's, He's a powerlifter. He He's probably been me one on <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. But um, Kobe was just a, I think everyone just compares compares basketballers to, to Jordan. Like, mm. Tim Duncan's won five championships now, been around for 20 years, playing at a consistent level. Mm. You, people should be talking about him as the greatest ever. Mm. But everyone just compares a like for a like, and everyone wants another. Michael Jordan, yeah, you know, and Kobe was, you know, Kobe was the closest thing, and you know, ten years ago when Kobe had still a lot of his career to go, you never knew whether he was going to have five more MVPs and six Finals MVPs and six more champions. You never really knew, so people were still thinking he could end up being the greatest, mm. greatest ever. Do
3: you, do you? guys? Who do you? Go, who do you follow, uh, mate? In the
4: I don't really follow much American sport. I'm a big rugby league rugby yep. union fan yep. growing up where I grew up so yeah yeah I just see all the highlights from people on social media and
3: yeah look um, look some of the the article said uh, so the win so this was the Golden State Warriors win the win saw them break a record previously thought unbreakable it was their 73rd, 73rd regular yeah. season win overtaking the mark of 72 set by Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls well. in 1995-96 mm-hmm. do you really think
4: that they want another Michael Jordan though or do you think the legacy of Michael Jordan is that no one will ever be better than him I think you'll always have the legacy. Hmm. Whether an athlete's is great, they'll always compare him to... Yeah. It, I, I guess the equivalent would be rugby league where they compare Jonathan Thurston to Andrew Johns. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Although, yeah, Gary Ablett and all those other, other incredible players from the past, Peter Sterling. Yep. All those guys, yep. no matter how good they are, they'll always be compared to their predecessor. Yeah,
3: yeah definitely. Definitely. Yep. That's, that's a pretty bloody good answer there. Um Let's move on to the bad. There was this earthquake that uh, struck the city in Japan. The magnitude 7.3 quake hit at a depth of 10 kilometers in the Kyushu region last uh, Friday afternoon, uh, depending on when you are listening to this, guys. A tsunami warning, obviously, was issued. Japan sits directly on a fault line but strict building codes mean that tremors rarely cause widespread damage. My question was, this is a bit of a tangent, but have you ever guys ever experienced an earthquake or been in a similar situation? I remember one time I was uh, playing Crash Bandicoot with my mate, and um, this was like two weeks ago. PS1. Yeah, no, PS, uh, PS1, yeah, PS1. Yeah, yeah, and um, awesome. I was sitting upstairs um, in Melbourne, and then I just heard this, oh, what the fuck was that, man? It's like, oh, man, I don't know. And then I'm um, like, Dad, did you hear that? He's like, yeah, it was a fucking earthquake. And I, I lost my shit. I was breaking out real bad. And it was apparently, it was like a point oh three quake. So I couldn't imagine myself in a 7.3.
2: I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> Getting quick. Yeah, I'd just get it done. Have
3: you guys ever been in a situation like that right, before? The
2: closest thing I ever got was, I was a, I think I was still in primary school. Was it Newcastle quake? Yeah, it Newcastle. Newcastle, uh, Newcastle. Oh, but oh, this was off, in off Sydney. And being young kid, I was like, oh, it's shaking. That's funny. What's going on? And then the news like, and yeah. news at night, you know there's Go a, with it. Yeah, go with it. And then you find out news at night, shape. there's all things that collapse in Newcastle and and whatever. So that that's like... What, what
1: was that quake? What what was the rating? That was like seven or eight. Oh, that's a quake. It was, yeah, it was, was a G- real quake, quack, but it's it, but it felt It's real felt it, in yeah, Sydney it destroyed like our destroyed
4: destroyed Newcastle. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. What year was this? 1980 something. Yeah, it was in the 80s. 89 or something. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Not that old mate <laughs>
3: I am <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, Sorry, that's interesting So so your first thought was just, okay, that's interesting As opposed to alarm bells
2: Yeah, nothing nothing clicked that it was an action earthquake Yeah like It was, it was uh, ground shaking Ground shaking, it's like, oh, well It's really weird, yeah. isn't it? Is it Keep, I know, I mean, I've experienced <laughs> a really serious Keep riding one. the bike, chasing the dog and whatever mm. And it wasn't, the news came on, it sort of clicked Yeah, oh, that's yeah It's crazy, oh, crazy. Yeah. It um, must
1: be cold, it's shivering I had a, yeah, that's right. <laughs> when I was in Guatemala once, I forgot to when you mentioned this before. I mm. we felt a tiny little, tiny little tremor because they get earthquakes all the time in mm. um, in Central America. I was are in they Gu- on a fault line?
3: They aren't they? Well, um, they're close, really close. That's the one that connects up through to California to North America. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, one. San Andreas. Yeah, yeah. San Andreas, yeah. San Andreas, yeah. There's heaps of stuff yeah. about they're going to get oh. a mega mega
4: quake. Yeah, two they're, fault, yeah, they're two, fault line, line. two fault lines are going to go. They're going to get like a mega quake apparently. Yeah,
3: it's um yeah you you, you hear things like that and you are like what. The would
4: you choose to live there? You'd just be like, selling up straight away. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be C later. And I'd, those, all those movies lately about like, especially like Hollywood, just mm. like the whole thing splitting apart. Yeah, half. that's yeah. right. Like one thousand metre high waves. <laughs> but wait, you have to jump
3: People across as it's splitting them. apart. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, make it a game. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Bill. No, that's all right. I was, um, I was just going to say, I was, I was sitting in a um, tour, um, tour provider s- store, and there was a little tremor and some, um some concrete because the buildings are pretty shoddy. Some concrete fell in the desk in front of me from the roof above, ah. just like yeah. just like just like a couple of little little. And then I was like, "Fuck!" Uh, yeah. I just ran <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> ah. yeah, I so wonder.
3: Much. I really wonder if this is a weightlifting, pelting thing because so you and I are both kind of weightlifters, and we freak the fuck out at like a tiny little quake, and then we got old man over here and it's just, "Oh yeah, it's a quake." That was about fourteen point three on the Richter scale. <laughs> Um, we'll move on to the science. <laughs> Scientists have managed to create mice with a gene mutation found in some humans who stutter and have discovered that the mice also stuttered. So they've um, they mutated the mice they put this gene or they've manipulated some sort of uh, thing with as the gene. As they were allowed to
1: just mutate mice just yeah. fuck with them. But yeah. like animal cruelty like don't, don't fuck with this animal. Don't fuck with this animal. Yeah. And then mice were just fucking pumping them full <laughs> of shit. Free game. Growing ear on their back. Eyes, see if they get better vision.
3: Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's inhumane. <laughs> go on. Go on. <laughs> it's fair. Um, where are we? Oh, I've lost my eye. There we go. Sorry. The mice um, were then given human stem cells to test cell regeneration, to which showed positive results, which is, ex- which is uh, extremely promising for those uh, who stuttered. Well, clearly, it's bloody me out there. Those who are uh, those who stutter. <laughs> My question is uh, again another huge tangent here. Um, I was going to ask: Have you guys ever had a habit that you sort of personally realise is fucking annoying? Like a like a stutter, for example. Um, we can flip that over to what's your biggest pet hate? We can flip that over to what's your favourite movie? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Have you but, got like a real pet hate, Cam,
4: or or like an annoying habit? Right yeah. Not necessarily that you do. could be something that you do, but um, something I that. I uh... don't know if you've seen me in the room, but I'm always, like, I'm real twitchy.
3: Yeah, I've noticed like, that before. Yeah, yeah I,
4: don't o- I don't know if it's OCD or whatever. Okay. I <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Drug-free sport, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine and <tennis>? No, no. <laughs> nah but yeah, I've always had, like, a little twitch, even from when I was, like, two or three or whatever. Mm. My mum's always noticed. I always, like, do weird shit, but... Mm. And it's nothing like I don't know if it's been diagnosed, but I just yeah always twitch and yeah, you know, yeah. do stuff in my face all the time. So you have a bit of a twitch. Um, do you have a twitch?
1: No, I bl- I blow m- out with my nose all the time. Oh I yeah, like I like, <laughs> like just when I'm sitting on the couch, I don't know why I do it. It's yeah. like subconscious. Oh, and I clear my throat every oh. fucking twenty. Seconds, have you guys noticed man. that? <laughs> no. no, he's always got a throat. Oh yeah, in his throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so strange it's yeah uh, i mean that's but other than that i'm pretty much a perfect human
4: yeah on that, yeah. On, that <laughs> on that before i forget pet hate people that chew with their mouth open uh, can't yeah. handle it yeah it's yep. just rude it's a weird i wonder why we wouldn't I like asia mate <laughs> oh no that's why I'm okay
3: hey. <laughs> full squats and uh, chew with the mouth open that's it mate.
2: <laughs> what about you guys uh habits i tend to sit like this obviously people listening to podcasts can't see but i always tend to lean on one side sitting in any given conversation for some reason yeah. either mm. left or right it's Bizarre, and the arm has to follow yeah okay
1: the arm's kind of tucked in yes. in a weird yeah, little you way you have to there, bend so your arm <laughs> Like i am
2: consciously go no, nah, I'll sit straight and then like five minutes later I'll end up on one end yeah, I think yeah. i probably on the other just to naturally stretch your QLs stretch your glutes <laughs> out
4: you're, around, you're if, a thinker that's it's so a I'm weird. that annoying person in the movies that can't sit still oh man if I sit in front of you in the movies you're going to have a bad time yeah. so I plus piano, you're not going to be able to sit straight just big fat head in a way
3: do you drive a double decker bus and rink yeah. <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was a good band of science,
0: Jets. Very good. Thank you. Nice. Good work. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, don't forget, if you liked it, and even if you didn't like it, su- subscribe to us on iTunes. All of our show notes can be found at www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash podcast for any links or any exciting things that you guys may have picked up from that episode. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First one is Loxam Solutions, www.loxamsolutions.com.au. ndosups, ndosups ndosups.com.au. And Audible Trial, www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. And lastly, Adventure Fit Travel uh, can be found at www.adventurefittravel.com. Bye.